Thanks for listening to our messages from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources and information on connecting people to Jesus for life change, visit us online at southbridgefellowship.com. Good morning, church family. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. My name's Seth. I'm usually uh, leading worship, but this morning our team is killing it. So would you give it up for them? They're, they're doing awesome this morning. I'm so thankful. Pastor Scott and his family, uh, are, he and Shannon are back from Madagascar, and so they are out with the girls doing a family vacation just to rest and recoup. Uh, and so this morning, we actually have the privilege of hearing from our dear brother, new staff member, Scott Mason, this morning. So would you come on up, man? We're excited to, uh, to have you this morning, man. And uh, man, this is such a, it's such a monumental thing every time, every week we get to gather together and just celebrate Jesus as one church, as his bride. And so uh, I'm going to hand it over to you, man. You got it. You're doing great. Appreciate you, man. Good morning, Southbridge. How you guys doing today? It's good, good to be in the house of God, right? Man, I thank you, worship team, for just leading us in such a sweet time of worship. Can we just give it up for them one more time, guys? Man, it's, it's, so, uh, it's so cool being here this morning, uh, just looking out uh, for me, you know, getting to see a lot of uh, familiar faces, getting to see a lot of new faces, you know, you guys are looking good today. Uh, turn to the best looking person sat next to you and tell them you're looking good. <laughs> husbands, husbands, you better be looking at your wives right now, okay? And, uh, and if two single people are looking at each other, you guys just go ahead, exchange numbers, you know? You never know. Hashtag better together, you know. Um, no, uh, it's, so, it's so cool. I've been here seeing two churches come together as one. And, and what a testimony of our God that this is, you know. And what a, what a witness this is to, to our community, uh, to our world around us, especially when we're in such a, a time of, of division. Um, it's so cool getting to see two churches come together, working as one uh, for Jesus Christ. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys, uh, when I first heard of two churches merging together, I was a little skeptical, I was a little nervous, you know, I'm a person that struggles letting people merge with me in traffic, so imagine putting two churches together, like that just that scared me a little bit, um, but God is just doing incredible things, and, uh, and what, what, how neat is it for us just to see a small glimpse of what heaven's going to look like? Right, where we're not going to be in heaven and have these separate churches. We're all just going to be together as one, just worshiping God. And, and how cool is it that we get to see a glimpse into that? Um, so for those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm Pastor Scott. Uh, Seth introduced me. Um, I actually work here on staff at Southbridge. You guys might not see me. I was actually just got back from the England mission trip, so I've been kind of MIA. Um, but don't mistake me for Pastor Scott Lear, okay? I, I know it can get confusing having two Pastor Scott. So what I thought is that I could capitalize on this moment, since Pastor Scott's out of town, he's not here to defend himself, I just thought we could clarify and just say, let's, let's just go ahead, call me the real Pastor Scott, like, I'm cool with that, if you guys are good with it, like, that's fine, and um, Pastor Scott, if you're watching this online, should have been here, man, so... 
Um, now, Pescai and his wife, like Seth said, is on a well-deserved vacation. Uh, they just got back from Madagascar, and God has just been doing incredible things uh, through them. God has been moving. He's been sending me emails of testimonies and stuff. And man, God, God is the same God here and there, and he's still moving today as he was back then, and he's still going to be moving in the future, and it's just so exciting uh, to be a part of what God is doing all around the globe. Um, and so uh, Pastor Scott uh, gave me the opportunity to share the word with you guys this morning. So uh, it's always an honor and a privilege. And so just, just thank you guys. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, you know, thank you for dealing with my British sense of humor. I appreciate it. Um, and so um, before, we, uh, before we jump in, um, I, just, I feel like, you know, since you guys have encountered me, I just want to encounter you guys. See what I did there and encounter, you know. Guys, it doesn't get much better than this, so, um, you know, work with me here. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, some of the people I know, some of you guys I don't know, um, and what I'd like to do is I'd love to go around and, like, introduce myself and get to know everybody, but for the sake of time, I just thought what we could do is everybody could just, like, shout me their name after three. You guys cool with that? Okay, so, so one, two, three. Okay, nice to meet you guys. Okay, so I've encountered you guys now. Uh, just please don't expect me to remember you guys' names. Um, so um, let's, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Lord God, we just, uh, we thank you and we praise you for today, Lord God. Thank you just for this day of life that you've given us. And how cool is it that we can just all come together and, and worship our Father. I thank you that through what Jesus Christ did upon that cross, that the veil has been torn, that we can just enter into your presence, Lord God. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit is here right now in the midst. Just work in us, work in our hearts as we read the word, Lord God. Let it just become a living word to us. Let it penetrate through our flesh, uh, through, our, through our soul, and just uh, connect with our spirit. Let us leave this place changed after an encounter with you. We give you the service. Speak through me, speak your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the title for today's message is From Mess to Messenger, okay? And uh, what I want to talk to you guys about is, um, is basically, um, you know, we've been talking about the encounters of God, right? So uh, have you guys been enjoying the encounter series so far? Who, who's been here for, for week one? Who was here for week one? Okay, week one we talked about what John the Baptist's encounter with Jesus Christ. Last week, who was here for the last week's? Okay, and we talked about one of the earliest encounters, which was in the book of Job. And today I want to talk to you uh, from the book of John. That's the fourth book in the uh, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And from the fourth chapter. So if you guys want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to read from there in just a second. But this is where the woman of the, uh, the Samaritan woman of the well encounters Jesus, okay? And that's what we're going to be, be reading from. Uh, so like I said, the, today's message is from mess to messenger. And you see, the difference between mess and messenger is our perspective, okay? And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys today is how perspective changes things. So I have like a little, a little few illustrations to help me out. Um, so let me ask you guys, have you guys ever seen an image like this before? Okay, uh, what'd you guys see? Give me some answers. Faces. Somebody sees two faces and you see anything different than two faces. A vase, a vase, however you want to say it, vase, vase, which one is it, vase, vase? Anyway, I get you. So yeah, two different images, right? And, and it all depends on the perspective in which we're looking at it. Okay, bear with me. <laughs> I'm getting a workout today. Um, okay, what about this one? Is anybody, what did you guys see? Straight away, what did you see? A frog. Did you see anything else other than a frog? A what? 
A horse. Okay, so again, two different things. Like, wow, how did he do that? <laughs> two different things depending upon the perspective in which we're looking at things. And then a final one. This, this, one, this one I really like. This was like one of my favorite ones. Okay, straight away, what do you guys see? A woman, a woman's face. You see anything else? Okay. So here's the thing. Yeah, it's actually not a woman's face at all. It's, it's a horse made up of birds, but it just looks like a woman's face. And so you see how perspective, how we look at things, what we focus on, can change what we see. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about today is how our perspective, if we change our perspective from earthly perspective into a heavenly perspective, it changes the way in which we see things. And one thing that I love about Jesus is that he came into the world over 2,000 years ago and he took what we thought of religion, he took what we thought of relationship with God, and he just kind of turned it upside down, okay? He gave us a new perspective. You see, Jesus turned up on the scene and started breaking all the rules of tradition, all the rules of religion, and, and gave us, took all the preconceived ideas of what we thought religion looked like, and he gave us a whole new perspective, you know? Where, where you heard Yanny, Jesus said it was Laurel, okay? Where, where you saw a white dress, Jesus is telling you that it's a blue dress, okay? He, he changes that perspective. You guys know what I'm talking about? Who in the room knows what I'm talking about? Okay, that's his millennials right there, maybe, I don't know. Um, he changes the perspective and, and he's challenging, when he comes onto the scene, he's challenging the religious people of the day to see things in a new perspective. And he's continuing to challenge us today to move our fixture of earthly things and onto heavenly things. Because it's so hard, right? At times, it's so hard to, to only focus on what we can see, on here and now. And we can so often take our minds off what is heavenly and only focus on what is earthly. And so, we're going to talk about perspective. It changes things. Say it changes things. Amen. You see, I remember as a kid, my perspective was a little different. I used to be so annoyed by my parents constantly telling me to turn the lights off in the house, okay? It was just like this nag, 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 you know? You don't pay the electric bill, make sure you turn your lights off, da, 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 da. And, and it was just so annoying, right? Now that I'm older and I pay my own electric bills, my perspective has changed, okay? We, we don't need lights. We can just sit in the dark. It's fine, okay? <laughs> and, and, and it's funny, right, how, how things change. I remember as a kid, um, you know, mowing the grass and, and vacuuming. Used to be such like a burden, like, oh, it's so boring. Whereas now, like, something inside me that gets excited about buying a new vacuum. Like, when did I become this person that gets excited over a new vacuum, you know? Like, when did, when did I start adulting, you know? But it, it's true, right? Perspective changes, you know, and, and, and it changes how we act, it changes how we think, it changes what we say, and, and it all comes down to our perspective. And so what I want to do today is take us through a journey of the path of perspective and how we need to be like Jesus and have a kingdom perspective in all that we do. So let's jump in. You guys at chapter 4, John 4, you there? Cool. Um, now it says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who was baptizing, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had, everybody say had. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given his son, Joseph. 
So our first stop on the path of perspective is this. Prejudiced versus purpose. Okay, so a little context to what's happening here. In order for the woman in Samaria at the well to have an encounter with Jesus, Jesus had to go through Samaria, okay? So currently, we just read, he's in Judea, and he's going to go to Galilee, okay? And so here you have Judea, Galilee's here, smack dab in the middle is Samaria, okay? So we, we, know, we know geographically where we're at right now. And so... Here's the thing. In Jesus' times, Jewish people did not go through Samaria. Okay? Samaria was kind of like a no-go zone. You see, the Jewish people and the Samaritans had extreme prejudice towards one another. This like dates back to like 450 BC. So it's been going on for hundreds of years. The, the tension, the conflict, the prejudice at that time has deep roots. And so what the Jewish people used to do, if they were traveling, what they would do is they'd cross over the River Jordan and they'd go way out of the way to make sure that they did not travel through Samaria, okay? Which is funny, right? Because when we think of a Samaritan, what do we think of? A good, per a good Samaritan, exactly. It's something positive. It's something good. It's something that we like to attribute to, to somebody of good stature, okay? So like, hey, look at little Jimmy helping Mrs. Ethel across the road. He's a good Samaritan, Samaritan okay? That's in our context. Now, if we take it back to the Jesus time, that would be like in our day and age saying, look at that good ISIS person. Look at that good Nazi. Isn't he a good guy? Like, the two just don't go together. And that's how it was back then. That was the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. So you didn't go through Samaria because, well, we hate Samaritans. So we do anything and everything to avoid it. So a question I want to ask you guys today is, what is your Samaria? What are you guys avoiding that Jesus is calling you to go through? Who are you avoiding that Jesus is calling you to talk to? You see, because Jesus didn't avoid it. He said he had to go through Samaria. Why? Because Jesus' purpose triumphs over any prejudice. Jesus has a greater purpose. You see, Jesus was in the world, but he was not of the world. He did not take to the culture of the time. He started to create a new culture, okay? He created a culture that was for love, for kindness, for mercy, for forgiveness, for purpose, for all people. It was a Jesus culture, okay? So we need to cultivate our own culture in our lives. We need to shift our perspective from focusing on earthly culture and bring a kingdom culture, to shift our perspective from an earthly perspective into a heavenly perspective. We need to be like Jesus. We need to build bridges to places where other people dare not go. So are we building bridges? Are we avoiding certain things and certain people at all costs? Um, so Jesus calls us, right? What does he say? Jesus calls us to love our neighbor. What does that mean? Do we just love the people that love us? No, anybody can do that. Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, even the ones that don't look like you, think like you, speak like you, pray like you, even like you, or get this one, even vote like you. Imagine, imagine for a second where two people that have differing views 
can come together, have a conversation, and listen to one another. Wow. It's extreme, right? It's radical in the world that we live in. But that, that is what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to bridge gaps between differing cultures to differing viewpoints. And we need to be those people. Let us not discriminate. Let us not discredit. Let us not discourage or discount. Instead, let us love people in such a way that it leads them to Christ. Amen? So, we can often miss, though, what Jesus is wanting to do in and through us because we're holding on to earthly things that have no place in the kingdom of God. We can be so bent on holding on to something that has only earthly value, and Jesus challenges us to let go and to take on a kingdom mentality. So while we're on this journey of the path of perspective, let us strive to keep our minds and our actions and our words on the purpose of God. So let us continue down this path um, there's a bunch of scripture that's coming up, so I'm going to take a drink. If you guys just want to talk among yourselves for a second, that's cool. Or not, that's fine. <laughs> um, so, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. They went to get Jesus some Chick-fil-A. You know, that's, that's the food for the saints. Um, the Samaritan woman said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. That's what we just talked about. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get living water? Are you greater than the father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I don't have to be thirsty and I'll never have to come to this well to draw water. You see, the woman here is seeing from a what? An earthly perspective. She's missing what Jesus is talking about. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to shift her perspective to a heavenly one. So this is where he gets her. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered her, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right, I have no husband. For you had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you said is true. The woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on the mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, again, changing perspective. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So our next stop on the path of perspective is this, religion versus relationship. Man, I, I just love Jesus. Who else here loves Jesus? Come on, give me a, yeah, come on. Jesus is such a boss, you know? Jesus is so savage at times. You see, 
What we just read that Jesus did was breaking so many cultural boundaries, so many traditions of the time. You know, if the religious people were there at this time, they would be like up in arms with what Jesus is doing. Why? Because we just read what Jesus did. You see, back then, going to the well was typically done by a group of women. Men didn't go to the well, okay? So the fact that this woman wasn't in a group, but she was on her own, kind of gives us some indication to what her, her statue is in the, in the community, what her reputation is. She's on her own. Nobody wants to kind of be with her. She's kind of an outcast. Okay, so first, Jesus is around the well. So that's, that's taboo right now, okay? But then Jesus goes even further than that. Jesus requests for a drink from the woman. He's breaking traditions in so many ways. The first one we know, Jews and Samaritans, they don't talk. Jesus is a Jew, she's a Samaritan, strike one. Second one is, in that day and time, men and women generally didn't speak in public. Jesus just got strike two. And finally, rabbis, teachers, what Jesus is known as, do not talk to women. Strike three. Jesus just struck out, breaking three of the traditions of the time. But you see, Jesus is less concerned with strikes and more concerned with salvation. He's willing to break the religious rules in order to bring people into relationship with him. He gives us a new perspective of what true religion and true relationship with God looks like. He takes all the preconceived ideas. You see... Like I said, if the Pharisees were on the scene, they would have had a completely different perspective. They would have wanted to stone this woman. Jesus wanted to save this woman. The Pharisees would have wanted to condemn her. Jesus spoke the truth to her in such a way to liberate her. You see, Jesus still confronts her sin but not in a way to cast stones, but he uses her sin to point to him as the Christ. Now, I know we always look at the Pharisees and the self-righteous people, and we always think we're so much better than them, right? We're always like, man, these Pharisees, these jokers, they just don't get it. Like, what's wrong with them? You'd ne- I'd never act like that. Like, I would be like, I would be like John. I'd be like one of Jesus' best friends. Like, that's the way that we think. But, Truth be told, we're often so much like the Pharisees and we don't even realize it. So often, in our goal to speak the truth, it does not come from a heart of wanting to release people into relationship with Christ, but it comes from a heart of wanting to prove myself to be right. Because we love to be right, don't we? Come on, guys. We're in church. Be honest. God's watching. Right? We love to be right. I know because I am one of those people, okay? You can ask my wife. You know how to better pray for my wife, okay? I, I just love being right. And so here's, here's an example, okay? One time, me and my wife, we love board games. We love any type of games, but we love board games, okay? Uh, so much so that in our new house, we're actually getting rid of our dining room table, and we're just having a board game room. So if you guys want to come over, you know, just call ahead, you know. Um, but even though we love board games so much, one of our very first fights, yeah, we're going there, as a married couple was over a board game. 
Okay? Not just any board game, but the board game Risk. Does, does anybody know the board game Risk? Okay. For those of you that have been living under a rock, um, the board game Risk is basically the object of the game is for world domination, to conquer the world, okay? So me and my wife are playing, my, my mother and father-in-law, wave your hands, uh, we was playing with them as well, and so me and my wife, we made this like alliance, okay, that I could keep the beautiful land known as England, represent, and, and in return... I would, like, help my wife out from time to time, okay? And this, this was a beautiful relationship, you know? It, it, I was helping her out. She let me keep the country. It was all going smooth. Until then, out of nowhere, on my wife's turn, she turns her armies and starts coming into the motherland of England. Now, this was a big deal, guys. We made an alliance. And she came in, and she just annihilated my entire army. I'm not going to lie. Talking about this a little close to 4th of July is kind of hard for me, but we'll, uh, we'll get through. But, but this was a big deal, you know? Here we had this alliance, and, and, and she broke it. And I was just like, she has no right to do that. We, we made this truce, we made this pact, she just turned on me, she traded me, you know? And, and, and we're laughing, but at the time, guys, this was like a big deal to me. I was like genuinely so upset. Like, I was like, how could you do this to me? Like, I, I, I seriously don't think we, we, we spoke the whole drive home. Like, true story. Like, don't y'all be judging me. You know you've done it. You've all, you've all got worked up over something that doesn't matter. Everybody's done it. Y'all be judging me like that. But that's the truth, right? Sometimes we can get so caught up and been right over stuff that doesn't even matter that we can sacrifice our relationships on the altar of been right. So many times we can get so caught up and been right that we hurt, damage, and even sacrifice relationships over board games. Over stuff that doesn't even matter. It's okay, guys. Me and my wife are fine now. We've, we had counseling. People prayed for us. <laughs> We, we burned the board game risk, we, you know. Um, but, it, but it's true. So often we're fighting to be right. And when really we should be fighting for real relationship with people. Sometimes we're so concerned with winning that we'll hinder our witness. We'll damage our witness for the sake of being right. We'll damage our witness for the sake of winning to be right. And, and that is not the way that God wants us to be. Because really, like, I love winning, guys. I really do. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, so competitive by nature. I, like, I, if, if somebody tells me, like, hey, like, how'd you play the game? Oh, we're just playing for fun. I'm like, how'd you win? Oh, no, no, it's just for fun. I'm like, where's the fun in that? Like, if I can't win... There's no fun. Like, I don't want I play to win, you know? Um, and, and that's the thing. But I want to be more concerned with winning people for Christ than I am about winning to be right. And so often we miss that. So often we speak to people in, we try and speak truth into people's lives, not to release them into relationship with Jesus, but to show that I'm right and you're wrong. You know, should have put it in a hip-hop song. Um, so, Jesus could have smoke, spoke the truth to the Samaritan woman in such a different way. He could, have, he could have turned up and been like, you adulterous woman, you outcast, 
You know, you should be ashamed of what you've done. You know, he could have like yada, 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 just like how the Pharisees probably would have. But Jesus was more concerned in, in releasing her into relationship with him. He still confronts her sin. Don't get me wrong. He still confronts her sin, but he does it with a heart to liberate her. And so we should, that should be our approach too. For those that don't know Christ, we should speak the truth. We don't compromise, but we have compassion. We love the people. We care for the people. We have a heart for the people. The word says that it's his kindness that causes repentance. Guys, we should be some of the kindest. We, no, we should be the kindest people on the planet because we have experienced the kindness of God. You know, kindness is not an endorsement. You know, you can be kind to people that disagree with you or have different beliefs. Kindness is not an endorsement. It's never wrong to be kind. We need to cultivate kindness in our life. Kindness is actually a fruit of the Spirit. So if ever you find yourself been unkind, can I tell you, you've not been led by the Spirit. We need to be the kindest people that the world has ever seen. It's not our job to judge or condemn those that aren't in relationship with Jesus Christ. They have yet to see the light. It would be like getting angry and upset with people in a dark room that has no light when they trip and fall over stuff that they can't even see. It's not our job to, to condemn them. It's our job to bring light into that dark room that points them to the one true light, which is Jesus Christ. So how have we been a light? How, how have you been a light today? We are called to be a city on a hill, a bright light. Can I tell you, there's people out there that never stepped foot in a church before, and so you might be the only church that some people see. What are you showing? What are you showing through the way that you speak to people, the way you, you approach people? Even in the midst of their mess, how are you speaking the message of the gospel to these people? Let us not get caught up in thinking self-righteous thinking, I'm better than these people. The only difference between us and people that don't know God is the grace of God. And as soon as we start putting ourselves on a pedestal, we're breaking that grace. You know, I once heard somebody say, it's like, it's like we're on a branch, a branch of grace. And as soon as we start condemning those that don't know this grace and start looking down, and so, that branch begins to break. Because all, the only difference is, is that we have stepped in to the light. Let us not take self-righteous thinking. C.S. Lewis says this, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something above you. Let us be people that come to people and meet them where they're at. And that leads us to our final stop on this journey, which is mess versus messenger. We read this verse earlier, but I'm going to read it again. It says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I don't want you to miss the significance of what just took place here. I missed it the first time. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss this. This is so significant. You see, Jesus is talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Christ. And she said, the Christ is coming. Jesus said, I'm the Christ you speak of. Now, 
what we can miss is that studies show that this, as far as we know, is the very first time that Jesus Christ openly identifies himself as the Messiah. He didn't do it to the Pharisees. He didn't do it to the Jewish people. He did it to who, somebody who everybody saw as a mess. He did it to a Samaritan. Not only that, but a Samaritan woman. That is so extreme, guys. That, that's so exciting that Jesus revealed himself to the Messiah, to a woman that has been married five times and is currently shacking up with a guy that is not her husband. He revealed Christ is the first time to that type of woman. Why did he do that? Simply because he saw the woman's heart and saw that she hungered for truth. When he spoke about the gift of God, when he told her about living water, why did he do that? Why did he tell her about these things? Because he wanted to come into relationship with her. Her life was probably a difficult one. The fact that she'd been married five times and now currently with another guy, that, that's very frowned upon in, in this time. And, you know, she was probably an outcast like we saw earlier. She, she didn't have any friends to go to her to the well. She was pushed aside from society. Everybody saw a mess. But yet Jesus turned up on the scene and he said he came to seek and save the lost in Luke 19. And this woman was simply just another one of those people that Jesus has been saving all throughout generations and generations. That is the reason why Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had a divine appointment with this woman who was searching for the truth. A woman that was hopeless and then Jesus entered in on the scene and gave her hope. Where everybody else was looking down on the Samaritan woman and only saw a mess, Jesus saw someone who could be his messenger. You guys remember Bob Ross? Yeah, anybody remember Bob Ross? I don't remember him, but he's on Netflix, so I can binge him now. Um, but Bob Ross used to say something like, ever make a mistake in life, turn them into a bird. Turn them into a bird. You know, Bob Ross, happy trees. He said, ever make a mistake in life? No problem. Just turn them into birds. Jesus turned up on the scene, took the Samaritan's mess, and he just Bob Rossed it. He just turned it into something beautiful. He took her mess, used it as a message, and sent her out as a messenger. We read on, it says, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? They, they were probably thinking it, though. So the woman left her water jar, went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. The woman had an encounter with Jesus and she left changed. It says she left her bucket. She left her bucket because she came for physical water. She had an earthly perspective. But she left that bucket because she no longer needed a bucket, because she was the bucket that was filled with the message of Jesus Christ. She had a perspective change. She, she, she no longer needed that bucket. She was the bucket. And she entered into the city and proclaimed her encounter. She shared the story of how Jesus told her everything 
that she ever did. She shared her mess with others to be a message for the Messiah. You see, she used her mess, she was open about her mess with other people to basically be a pointer to the Messiah. It's that whole come and see, come and see. You see, it's in our vulnerability with others that we often find the greatest victories. That we can share Jesus and be real with people. That, that idea of like, look, I'm not perfect. I mess up. I fall short. I make mistakes. But let me tell you about my Christ. Let me tell you about the Messiah. You see, it's that idea of, hey, Jesus took my dirt and he turned it into destiny. He took my mess and he's using it for his mission. And even when I stumble, I still have a savior that loves me. Can we be real? Like, wasn't, wasn't that us, you know? The cross is a level ground for everybody. We all come to Christ as broken vessels, as a mess. That was all of us, right? Before we came to Christ, we was a mess. I know I was, until I heard the message of the gospel. And God is calling you now to be a messenger. He's calling you to share that message that you have received with others. As you read on, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Because of the woman's encounter with Jesus, she was changed. And she just had to go out and share it. Something of like a, a bucket that's overflowing. She just had to share it. And through her encounter with Jesus, she led many others to also encounter Jesus for themselves. And so I want to pray for you guys today. Um, and I'm going to invite my mother-in-law up. But before I pray, I want to ask you guys, what is your perspective like? Are you seeing things the way Jesus did? Or are you fighting for the right to be right? Are you covering up your light in which you've been given? Or are you, are you ashamed of the mess that Jesus saved you from? I want you to know that right here, right now, God is with us. And he wants to free you from any shame, any guilt, any hurt. But he also wants to break sin over your life. Any self-righteous thinking, any pride, any, any thinking I'm better than other people. He wants to break that over you. And, and he wants you to let him in to every single part of your life. Even the dark nooks and crannies that you don't want anybody else to see. Jesus wants to, wants to be in on it all. He wants to come into every single part. You see, part of what we jumped over in this passage is the part where the disciples come back to him after the Samaritan woman leaves. And, and they say, Jesus, we, we brought you something to eat. We brought you a meal. We got that Chick-fil-A that you asked for. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus said, I have food that you do not know about. Jesus is talking about spiritual food, but all the disciples are seeing as a physical food. They're like, seriously, Jesus, we walked all the way to Chick-fil-A. Do you know how far away that is? And you went ahead and ordered Domino's? Like, who gave Jesus food? 
And Jesus said this, the food, my food, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You see, the disciples still had their perspective wrong. They were only seeing earthly things. Jesus was seeing heavenly things. Where the disciples were more concerned about a meal, Jesus was more concerned about a mission. And that mission was the Samaritan woman. It was the city of Samaria. Don't miss the mission of God by focusing on earthly things, by focusing on material things. God said all things were created by him and for him. What you have been given is for a greater purpose than you. When we live like Jesus did, we understand that every blessing that I've been given has been given to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is wanting us to get us to lift up our eyes and to see the harvest before us. He's wanting to switch our perspectives. He said, I sent you to reap. And there are people out there in the world today that need to hear the message of the good news to pull them from the mess of sin and to pull them into relationship with the Messiah. I was one of those people. 18 years old was the first time that I heard the message of the gospel, the message of the Messiah. And it took somebody to be a messenger, like the Samaritan woman, come, come and see. So I got a question for you. Are you ready to be a messenger today? If you're here for the first time, and this is your first time ever hearing about Jesus Christ, I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart that he loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to die for you, to take away your mess, to take away your sins. He wants you to come into relationship with him. And he'll meet you exactly where you're at. Even in the midst of your mess, Jesus is there has a plan and a purpose, a mission for your life, all you have to do is turn to Him. So do me a favor. If everybody could just stand. And if everybody could just bow their heads and close their eyes. I want to ask you, if this is the first time hearing the message of Jesus and his love for you and how he's willing to cross boundaries of tradition to build bridges to places that other people will never go if that's your first time hearing of the love that he has for you and you want to come into relationship with him I want to pray for you and so if that's you today while nobody's looking I just want you to raise your hand you can shoot it up shoot it back down if that's you today just do an outward demonstration of God. But this is just between you and God. God, will you meet me in my mess? Will you take my mess, use it for your mission? I know I fall short, I know I stumble, but just help me, guide me. And if you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you just know you've not been living the way that you should, you know that you've been fighting for the right to be right 
that you took your eyes off heavenly things and put them on earthly things. You've been afraid to share the kindness of God that's been shared to you. If you guys just want to go ahead and raise your hand too, I want to pray for you. God is moving in this place. He has a mission for you. And yeah, we're a mess. But that's okay. That's what we need Jesus for. We need a shift in perspective. Let us fix our eyes on heavenly things. So for those of you that have raised your hand, I'm going to pray. But I just encourage you guys, if you accepted Jesus or you need prayer, find somebody after we dismiss today. Uh, there'll be people on staff around, leaders. If you want to go ahead and write it on your Connect card on the bottom and hand it in, we just want to pray for you guys. I just, we just want to be a part of your journey. We, we, need, we need people around us to encourage us to get us back on track when we get off track. God is doing something. Let him into your hearts today. So Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you for today. Thank you that you meet us in our mess. I thank you that you forgive us of the times where we fall short. And I thank you that you still use us. I thank you that you use all things for the good of those who love you. And I just thank you and celebrate for those that came into relationship with you today. We just, I just know that heaven is celebrating right now. And we just celebrate with them. And I pray for those that have just been struggling, that the relationship with you has not been right, that it got off course. I just pray that you'll align our perspective with yours today. Have your way in every part of our life, Lord. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name.